this is at the core, the gospel, so that I may come and proclaim the gospel, for that's what I was sent to do. That's what I came out to do. Not to do this healing, not to give people a hand up, not to give them a hand out, but literally to deal with their sin and raise them from the consequence of their sin. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. This week, we welcome back Luther House of Studies co-director, Dr. Chris Krogan, to the podcast to teach us about this week's lectionary passage in Mark, where Jesus heals many in Simon's house and then embarks on a preaching tour around the Galilee region. Before we started recording this episode, Adam Curie and I all remarked that this passage felt like it was a quote-unquote filler text between more memorable gospel stories. As we soon enough found out, that couldn't be further from the truth. Dr. Krogan started by breaking down Jesus healing Simon's mother-in-law. As you'll hear in our conversation, we remarked that this isn't the first or the last time that Jesus heals somebody. As we noted, hearing of Jesus healing someone sounds like a run-of-the-mill gospel story at this point. However, what resulted was an interesting conversation about why Jesus heals anybody, then and now. Then, Dr. Krogan explained the importance of God providing us daily bread, including the reason Jesus gives us our health. But he warns us that daily bread is not the same thing as the gospel. In fact, in this passage, Jesus tells us what the mission of the church actually is. Dr. Krogan taught us there's a lot more to this fast-paced passage than what we initially thought, and I'm looking forward to hearing how it impacts you as well. Here's Mark, chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening, at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases, and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. And now, on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have the crew back together. It's me, Adam Keery, and Dr. Chris Krogan. Thanks for being here, Dr. Krogan. It's great to be here. 
So just to start, Dr. Krogan, can we have some context on what uh, has happened previous uh, to this Mark 1, um, verse 29, and how this sets up this, uh, this text? Yeah, uh, this is really a fun text to jump into, but it's also helpful to understand that Jesus had just started his ministry, and one of the first things he does is he goes and teaches in the synagogue. And as words start coming out of his mouth, people start saying, wow, this guy has an authority, a capacity to speak and teach in ways that we haven't heard before. And then immediately after that, he casts out a demon. And so that's even more authority as he has um, power over evil spirits. So this is the context that is setting up uh, the gospel that we read today, starting in verse 29. And so then we have, as soon as he left that synagogue, and that's important, is that right after everybody's starting to clamor about him, whoa, this guy's got quite a quite a power about him. They can't recognize it. They don't recognize it. But one thing that does recognize it, which is important in that previous text and important as we get to the end of this text, is it's the demoniacs, those possessed by um, evil spirits that they do recognize. The evil spirits recognize him. Yeah, one of the nice things about this lectionary text, I'm just thinking about it right now, is last week was the previous nine verses, and then the week before that was the previous six verses. And so you're actually seeing the the culmination of a, a, a story arc. So, And you, you see it in the first verse as soon as they left the synagogue. Yeah, exactly. So we're just following along this narrative, right? I agree, Adam. I think that's it's really interesting to follow all of this along, but... Krogan, I'm sure you'll address this a little bit later, but I do think that this is the most boring of all the three we've read so far, least important. Yeah, and say so, more. What 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 seems boring? I actually think it's an exciting text. I'm kind of fun. It uh, it I I couldn't wait to get it onto this podcast for this text. So you guys are gonna have to you know bore me to death here. Well, we were, we were talking about it before we started recording, and all three of us kind of said that this text just seems like it's like a filler text, that it's just kind of monotonous detail in the morning, and he got up when it was dark, he left to a deserted place, he went to pray, his friends he found him. He somebody, it. and he casts out a demon. Oh, ho-hum. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you know Oh, I'm Jesus. He's doing his Jesus exactly. thing. He's doing his thing thing. Yeah, so, yeah, it just doesn't, I mean, and hopefully we'll get there because I don't think they'd include a gospel reading without the gospel. Um, but in all of the filler text, it just feels like it's kind of hard to find it. Yeah, so, but really what this is, I the reason I like this text is because it actually does our evangelical teaching in a way that is not as overt, but you can see it happening, and it distinguishes between the law and the gospel. And what's beautiful here is Jesus himself makes that clear distinction at the very end. So when we talk about the law, we... Uh, one thing that people don't always recognize because they've mistaken it for the gospel is that daily bread is the law. Now, what in this text is what we'd call daily bread at the very beginning in the first few verses? Do you remember Luther's explanation of daily bread? Daily bread is food, clothing, home, family, health. So healing, um, healing Simon's mother. 
Right. So the, right after he leaves the synagogue, it's like he just walks across the street there. He's with four of the disciples and Simon's mother-in-law is in bed with a fever. Now the Greek here kind of is pretty, pretty vivid in that she is laid out. That is to say, it's basically on her deathbed. Fevers are not a good thing to have. She's probably about done. And we know that by the way they talk about he lifted her up. This is almost resurrection kind of language. It's the exact same Greek word that we use for resurrection. This lifted her up. So she is literally on her deathbed. Jesus walks in and he takes her by the hand and he does something quite miraculous is what we'd say. The fever left her. So it's giving her daily bread. It's providing for her health. And this, remember, the daily bread is always the law. The daily bread is not the gospel. And that's a common mistake people think, is that if God were to give you, you know, what you need, you just receive the gospel. No, you received what God gives, which is daily bread. God only gives daily, God only gives the gospel to his elect daily bread, Luther says, he gives to all people, including the evil. I know it probably isn't important, but just an observation in this first paragraph is um, she, in verses 30 and 31, she started, she was passive. Um, She was the passive character in this and Jesus was the active character. Um, And then at the very end of 31, it says, then the fever left her and she began to serve them. So it makes her seem more of the active. So she becomes, yeah, she becomes now part of the story. Mm-hmm. But this is an important piece is that um, what was the purpose and is the purpose of being healed by God, being healed by Jesus in this, this instance? Why is it that God gives you health? Why does he give you this daily bread? It's really important to look at what healing does for people. As Jesus would heal you, it's so that you can get back into serving your neighbor. So health, all the daily bread benefits you get, food, clothing, home, family, work, income, is for the sake of others, not for your own self-benefit. So that's a key piece here. So when somebody's praying to be healed, you're actually, or you're praying for their healing, you're actually praying that they would be made whole so they can get back into serving their vocations or serving their neighbor. That's an important part of this particular text. I like how that's so clearly defined. It's it's literal. Like you're supposed to serve your neighbor after Jesus heals you or gives you daily bread. Yep. It literally lays it out that she's healed and now she serves. Right. Well, and, and usually, usually healing is like is almost seen as the end, the ends itself. You're saying there's a different end to the healing that it's actually to serve. Usually yeah. within the American context, modern culture, it, it always sounds like you're on your path to healing, whether through experience or whatever. Yep. And then uh, yeah. that itself yeah. is the end. I don't know if you It culminates in beating cancer and beating cancer is the event. But the event you're saying is that what happens after you beat cancer? Right. Or Jesus heals you from cancer. And then, then what are you doing to serve the neighbor? Yep. And this is this is the way it works. And so there's people that will be lying on a bed for a while and they'll say, I wish I could die. And as a pastor, when I was with them, I'd say, well, our Lord Jesus is going to ultimately heal you and that will be death. 
Mm-hmm. That's where your suffering will be over. But clearly our Lord Jesus has a vocation for you still here. Even lying here, it may be to be visiting with somebody. Watch our Lord Jesus work this. And so as long as you are here in this world, in faith, God is using you for the sake of your neighbor. And this is a perfect text to demonstrate that. Um, Krogan, I I don't want to spend too much time on this. And I know it might sound weird and controversial, but I just want to... I want you to bring some, uh, just some like ease and clarity. I feel like when people read this text, they could also read that last, those last two words maybe wrong or incorrectly when um, it says, then the fever left her and she began to serve them. Um, It might sound self-serving or demeaning to women. Can you offer any sort of clarification to that? Well, what a lot of people think is that somehow, um, you know, they'll they'll put on a, a contemporary spin that, oh, this is just uh, written by males and they are saying women are only there to serve and they need to be subservient and stuff like that. Interestingly enough, all vocations, that is anytime you are serving a neighbor, no matter what capacity it is, is a holy vocation. And so for this mother-in-law, which was what she was to do, serve those who were in the house, this is actually God's good and gracious work to give her that opportunity to do it. So don't fall down the ditch that somehow this is a, you know, a, a patriarchal text putting women in their place. Okay, thank you. So to kind of go forward, um, uh, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons. The whole city uh, was gathered around the door. So I don't know why we thought it was boring because uh, clearly everybody else uh, didn't think it was boring. Demons are coming. This is the a Warner Brothers movie. This yeah, is like, exactly. uh, like uh, a World War Z or whatever. Um, uh, what's what's kind of happening here, Dr. Krogener? Where is the, this text going? Yep. So a few things just to note in evening. So evening is the end of the Sabbath. So all the people were like, okay, we can get out. But obviously some word had spread that the whole town now gathers around this door where Jesus, of this house that Jesus is sitting in. So word had spread that something big is going on. And so everybody's like, I want a piece of that. That is to say, I need my needs met. And so people start clamoring. And so they bring Jesus and they say, hey, we've got somebody sick. We need them cured. We've got somebody who's possessed by demons. Now, the interesting part here is with these demons, the demoniacs, that is the evil spirits, are exactly what we understand to be related to the devil, evil. And the devil is always attacking faith. So what these people are doing is they're bringing the evil, the ones possessed by an evil spirit to Jesus. And the way he casts out demons is literally with his own word and he makes faith where there once was none and this is why at at the end of this verse he did not permit demons to speak because demons can't tell lies about jesus in jesus presence so it's not even possible for the demons to say you didn't do that or did god really say which is what we know is the first words out of the devil's mouth and that's all the demons are able to do is bring questions into whether or not a person is worthy or whether or not God's creation is good or whether or not God is for them. They can't say that because they knew this is Christ and they knew 
God was there. So they literally had no power over Christ, which is what we actually see also prior to this, when Jesus was sent out into the wilderness, the devil has nothing he can do to tempt Jesus. Okay. So I'm just reading here um, real quickly. It just, and I, I, I feel like I want to bring it up a little bit more later, but um, I feel like this verse really does carry over from the gospel that we heard last week in the sense of that Jesus is picking up um, a lot of popularity with people around the town. And um, I feel like this is maybe one of the first gospel readings where we're actually getting to see, or at least in this um, in this chain, where we're actually getting to see some of his, you know, him curing people and some of like the different alternative stuff that he does. Why is that important here? I mean, it was talking about how he healed Simon's mother, and now he cured many who were sick with various diseases. So a lot of people are witnessing him performing these miracles and doing the impossible. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm I'm having- Why is Jesus winning a popularity contest right now? Yeah. Well, you guys were with me when you were students at Augustana, and one of the things, what was when we sat around the Bible study, what was the what was the favorite thing people liked about our Bible study prior to the Bible study? There was uh, bagels, bagels, or those those <laughs> little powdered donuts. Donut Remember those hole? powdered donut, the donut holes? Why? Well, I came for the, I came for the ASAP fables. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> but why? Because you were getting your needs met. You were literally yeah. getting your daily bread. And we're so our Bible study, trust me, with Sarah and I leaving that, leading that Bible study, it wasn't our personalities that brought you there. It was purely <laughs> the donuts or the bagels, right? Yeah. And that's why everybody showed up was because to get their needs met. This is exactly what made Jesus popular right away is they're getting their needs met. Their needs being the cured, the sick. You know, I don't think he had the the cocaine donut holes that we call, as we call them, you know, those really white powder. They were, (laughs) but, but, but he is feeding them, you know, giving them their needs. And so he becomes popular just like, you know, Luther house Bible study was popular because of the food, not because of the personalities. (laughs) I want to, yeah. You know, when you say donuts are equating to casting out demons, then we finally reach peak podcasting, I think. (laughs) There you go. Right. So then you understand what's going on um, is that they were having their daily needs met, their bread met. And then Jesus, next morning, he goes off to a deserted place. He's praying. And the verse 36 says, Simon and his companions came and hunted him down. They chased him down. And when they found him, they said, hey, we're not the only ones looking for you. The whole town still wants you back. Why? Because he's meeting their needs. And this is exactly why we want people in our lives is because they meet our needs. So that's what they're seeking Jesus for. And not only seeking him, they hunted him down. Right. When it says verse 36, and Simon and his companions hunted for him. That is... uh, Quite the trans translation to say it's it's, you're not just searching for somebody, you're just you're literally hunting them because yep. they, he is that important to solve your needs. And and Mark and, and Mark could have used searching because he he clearly did in verse 37. So the yep. fact that there's a different uh there's a different uh, verb there 
Yep. Um, it's quite telling. Which shows you how desperate people were too to get mm-hmm. their needs met. This this was not just, oh, well, that was kind of cool yesterday. Can we have Encore? Nope. They're chasing him down. So he gives a, I think, a, a decently famous uh, answer in verse 38 or something that seems central to um, preaching, central to the church. Um, can you kind of explain what answer he gives and why it's important uh, in this text, but also just uh, more broad, broadly? Yeah, so this is where we now draw out the distinction between the law and the gospel. And so this is actually an important piece for both the congregation members, but the preachers to recognize here is, yeah, you may have a congregation that is thriving, but the question is, is what you're, was what's causing them to thrive actually the gospel or is it that you're meeting their daily needs? And so is it because you have programs or is it because you are serving them with their daily bread or is it because what Jesus identifies here? is the true mission of him and thus the true mission of the church. Because here's the distinction between law and gospel. When we understand the law to be daily bread and the gospel to not be daily bread, what is then the good news Jesus brings? So Jesus lays it out. He answered, let us go to the neighboring towns. Now this seems a bit harsh. These people are hunting him down. They have great needs. They are even need healing, let alone casting out demons. And Jesus says, okay, they'll be fine. I'm moving on. So it seems like, what, Jesus? There's more people there that could use you. Why does he move on? So that I may proclaim the message there also. There it is, the message. What's the message? The kingdom of God is at hand. This is what we heard in the prior verses to this text. We'll hear it again in the first Sunday and Lent, the kingdom of God is at hand. And what is the kingdom of God? Where Jesus comes and forgives sin and promises the resurrection of the dead. And so this is at the core, the gospel, so that I may come and proclaim the gospel for that's what I was sent to do. That's what I came out to do. Not to do this healing, not to give people a hand up, not to give them a hand out, but literally to deal with their sin and raise them from the consequence of their sin. So um, you talked a little bit about this uh, previously, Dr. Krogan, with how are their needs being met with the, whether it's through daily bread, through programs, you could say daycares, through all these sorts of things. And if it's, if it's the gospel or if this is the main thing. So I guess, can you kind of go farther into what it means then for Christ to say, this is what I came to do as far as proclaiming the gospel? Or is there any other... Is there any other things you can contrast that with? Well, so you'll uh, hear uh, an old adage, um, preach the gospel, and if sometimes necessary, use words. This is opposite of what Jesus is saying, Mm -hmm. the exact opposite. Jesus is saying, no, it is me delivering the promise of forgiveness of your sin. That is what the mission and ministry of the church is. So congregations can and should serve the hungry serve the needy, you know, care for people's needs. But if that's their mission, that can be done by anybody, um, through anybody. But the true mission of Christ is to proclaim this message, which is what Jesus lays out. And this is why we as evangelical Lutherans, as 
confessional Lutherans lay out the firm distinction between the law and gospel. And Jesus gives us that firm distinction right here. So if people are showing up, this is why also I want you to be quite clear that people are nervous. What happens after COVID? What happens? Will people come back into congregations? Well, this is precisely what Jesus says. Yes, they will. Those who are sinners, those who are dead in their sin and need to have actually a counter to the devil's voice in their ear. And that counter being Christ forgives you. God is for you. Here he is. And that will be the gospel and not just getting their daily needs met. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Dr. Chris Krogan for teaching us the saying, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words, isn't what Jesus is telling us. Jesus is telling us the kingdom of God is at hand. It's where Jesus comes and forgives sin and promises the resurrection of the dead. God will provide us our daily needs which includes our health. He does so, so we can continue to serve our neighbors and preach his incredible promise. As we close out this episode, the Luther House of Study team wants you to know how much we appreciate you listening to scripture first. We share these conversations to spread the promise of Jesus Christ and encourage you to preach the gospel. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love if you'd like our Facebook page. We post each episode of the podcast on our page and really enjoy hearing what you found to be helpful, interesting, or uplifting in the comments. Thank you to everyone who's been engaging with us there already and hope to see you there soon. Lastly, the best way to share scripture first is sending an episode to your friends and family. You can find the link directly on our website www.lutherhouseofstudy.org slash podcasts or by sharing it via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again for joining us this week. A reminder that God's meeting your daily needs. We'll see you next time on Scripture First. Scripture First.